I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever He sought me and bought me Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
word please and go back to the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue our series there that we have called Shine. And we're in Ephesians chapter 6. You ever notice that the Christian life is hard at times? You ever feel like you're in a battle? Well, the reason you feel that way is because the fact of the matter is you are in a battle. You're in a spiritual battle. All of us as believers are in a spiritual battle. And the final section here of Ephesians that we're studying lays out for us that reality. And it also helps us to understand how to go about living out the Christian life in the midst of that spiritual battle. Um, How to go about facing the enemy, what we need to do, and so forth. And we're going to dive into this today. This is kind of an introductory part to that. And then next week, of course, uh, we'll have Tommy here preaching. And then we'll come back to this some more God willing, um, after homecoming. But I want you to find there Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll read that, the, really the rest of the book. And uh, we're just going to touch on the first part of this passage. But Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 10. We'll be in actual several uh, different uh, passages today. So if you want to put a marker here, 
in Ephesians, if you haven't already. We'll be kind of going to some other places, and then I'll put those references and some of the Scripture on the screen for you. But Ephesians chapter 6, begin reading at verse number 10, thinking about the spiritual battle that we're in. Finally, everybody loves the preacher says, finally. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know of my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, broadly speaking, we find here that we as believers are in a spiritual battle. We need to be strong. We need to stand firm. We need to always be praying. We need to put on the whole armor of God. That's kind of what we just read in a nutshell there. But I want you to look back to verses 11 and 12. It's kind of our focus today. And you'll find in verses 11 and 12, it says, Put on the whole armor of God. Now I want you to notice this next part, that you may be able to stand against the wiles... We don't use that word a lot. We'll talk about it in a moment. The wiles of the devil. For we do not, watch this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I need to tell you right up front as we start thinking about this whole idea of spiritual battle that we find ourselves in that we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. He's mentioned here in verse number 11 as the devil. Now, the Bible calls him lots of different things. Among other names, he's called Lucifer, the serpent, Satan. He's compared to a roaring lion, an angel of light, the father of lies, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren. And the question right off the bat is, well, who is this enemy? I mean, we're in a spiritual battle and we have this great enemy, the devil. Who is he and where did he come from? Well, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, all referring to the same being, he is a fallen angel. I put this reference on the screen for you, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. 
you who weaken the nations. Now listen to what he did. For you've said in your heart, remember he's created as a perfect angelic being, serving Almighty God, but it says in Isaiah chapter 12, or 14, verse number 13, for you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. I want to be the one that's worshipped. I want to be like God. Verse 15 says, Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. And so, we have to understand that the devil, our enemy, is a created being. He was not created in evil, but he chose to rebel. And he fell. And he's a fallen angel. And we understand that the Bible teaches, and because the fact that he is a created being, we know the devil is powerful, but he's not all-powerful. We know that he's wise, but he's not all-wise. We know that he is a being, and so he's present in some places at certain times, but he's not all-present. He's not always everywhere. As God is. So in other words, we're saying, and I want you to hear me clearly, He's not like God. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. And He's not omnipresent. In other words, He's not God. He's created by God. And He's a being who rebelled against God. Now this passage brings up an important truth. We sometimes think that our battle in life as believers is with other people. And we look at people and we look at their evil lives and their decisions and maybe they're in a place of power and they use that power for evil things. And we think, oh, if we could just get that person or take out that person or we could do something about that person or we could defeat that person, then we'd have the victory. But as the Bible often does, it corrects our thinking. And did you notice it says very clearly in verse number 12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, the main match here is not between us and other people. Behind those people, behind those human actions is someone else. Someone else is inspiring them. Someone else is motivating them. Someone else is encouraging them in their evil ways. Someone else is directing them. Sometimes someone else is even controlling them. And that someone is the devil. There is a satanic, a satanic influence in their life. Don't look around, obviously, and don't say any names. You've ever been in the presence of someone and you could tell that there was a satanic, satanic influence in their life. I think of one encounter that I had just in the last couple of years in dealing with an individual. And I realized that I was actually not dealing alone with the individual, I was dealing with actually someone who's being influenced by the enemy. But somebody might say, well, wait a minute. Now, you just said that the devil is not omnipresent. You know, omnipresent is what God is. Omnipresent means that he, he's everywhere all at the same time. And God is that. But the devil's not. In fact, if you go look at the book of Job and God says to the devil, where have you been? He says, I've been walking to and fro throughout the earth. So if he's not omnipresent and the devil's not everywhere at the same time, 
then how can you say that it's the devil that's behind all of that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's where verse 12 comes in. Verse 12 tells us that the enemy, the devil, has help. Look at it again. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now watch this. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, in the heavenly realms. When Satan fell, when he rebelled against God, other angels also rebelled. We refer to them today as demons. We talk about demonic influence. And this demonic force is active. And Satan and his demonic force, his other fallen angels, they cooperate together. They work together. He rules them, if you will, to oppose the Lord's work and the Lord's people. You see, Satan wants to rob God of his glory. He wants to rob God of His glory. And Satan wants that glory. He wants to be exalted. Now listen, if you're a Christian today, I've got good news for you. If you're a Christian, if you're truly born again, the devil cannot have you. But here's the reality. The devil hates you. The devil hates what you believe. The devil hates who you serve. The devil hates your family. The devil hates your testimony. The devil hates everything that you do or God has done in your life or you do for the Lord. He hates all of that. And though he can't have you, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your joy. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your family, your ministry, your faith, and everything that's truly good in your life. He detests and he wants to destroy you. He hates you. Now, the Bible says that the devil doesn't always come and lay all of his cards on the table. No, we know that he is, he's a liar. The Bible says he's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. Verse 11 talks about the wiles of the devil. We don't use that word wiles, but they tell me it literally means that uh, he's cunning. He's crafty. Uh, it literally means stratagems. He has a strategy. He's cunning. He's, he's slick. He's a deceiver. We see that back in the Garden of Eden as he takes the form of a serpent and slithers up and says, Yes, did the Lord not say? You know, he's, he's, he's doing that. He's cunning. He robes himself as an angel of light. He's like the fisherman. He throws the bait out. It looks good, but there's a hook in it. He doesn't show you the hook. He doesn't show you the the result. He just paints the picture like he did for Adam or for Eve there in the garden. You'll, You'll be like God. Some people scoff at the very idea of a real devil. They picture in their mind, and I think maybe even the devil was behind this, a little red guy. He's got a pointy tail. He's got maybe some horns. He's got a pitchfork that he carries around. He's the mascot of potted meat. I'm in the country. I can use that illustration. He's just a myth. He's just a fairy tale. He's just a make-believe. He's just something that people use to scare other people. You know, all that stuff's make-believe. But the reality is, the Bible says something totally different. I imagine the devil's very pleased when people believe that about him. But I want to say to you today, Jesus believed that the devil was real. 
In fact, he knew he was real, first of all, because as God, he created Lucifer. Furthermore, we know that in his earthly life, he had to face him in temptation. You're there in uh, the book of Ephesians. Would you go to Matthew? I want to walk through this passage with you. Matthew chapter 4, we have the Lord Jesus and we have the devil. And they're together conversing and there's temptation going on here. And I've got to remind you, please be clear. Please be clear in your thinking. When God created Lucifer, He did not create him as the evil devil that we know of. He was created a perfect angelic being. He chose to rebel. I want you to see his cunning audacity. Now, I want you to realize what we're about to read is really the Son of God and Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, that's interesting, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he, that is Jesus, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, the tempter comes on the scene. And what you have to understand about the temptation, and you see it in the Garden of Eden, and you see it here, is he works along the same lines most of the time. That is, he appeals to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We see it in the Garden of Eden. We see it here. First John talks about First John 2.15. That we're not to be all about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's not of the Father. We see it here. It's of the devil. Look at it, if you will. Verse number 3, Matthew 4. Now when the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, that is Jesus, answered and said, I want you to notice the theme here, It is written. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse number 5, And the devil took him up into the holy city set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Now, here's what's really interesting. I want you to notice what the next few words of that verse are. This is the devil speaking. He says, for it is written. By the way, the devil knows the Bible better than you and I know it. He's now quoting the Bible to Jesus in his temptation. For it is written... He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. How important is the Word of God in your life? This is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's quoting Scripture in the midst of temptation. Verse number 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. You wonder about the power and scope and dominion of Satan? You'll notice here in a moment, Jesus didn't say, Oh, you can't do that. You couldn't give that to me. Remember, he's the God of this age. He's the God of this world. Little G. But Jesus says to him instead, Verse number 10, Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. See, the devil is not a fairy tale. He's not make-believe. He's not just something that somebody created, came up with. He is a proud, audacious, deceitful, slithering liar. 
And he is so bold and so audacious, he even tempts the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Spiritual warfare is real. If you don't believe me, ask Daniel. Daniel, in the book of Daniel chapter 10, he's praying and he's waiting on God for an answer. And the answer seemed to be a long time coming. And the veil's kind of pulled back for Daniel and for us to realize that there's a spiritual warfare going on in the unseen heavenly realms. And let me read you, you can turn there if you'd like, Daniel 10, 12 through 14. It says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. Now I want you to notice verse number 13, or listen carefully. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, so we're not talking about earthly princes, we're talking about heavenly beings, angelic beings. We're talking about Michael, the archangel here. Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. In other words, he says to him here, I would have been here sooner with the answer. But I was hindered by demonic forces, if you will. Fallen angels. There's a spiritual warfare taking place. But one of the archangels, Michael, chief angels, came and helped me. There's spiritual warfare going on in the unseen spirit world. In fact, we're warned to be on guard against the enemy. Think of uh, Peter. You want to turn to the book of Luke. Chapter 22, we have Peter. And Peter is warned by the Lord Jesus. I love Peter, don't you? I, I think the reason we love Peter is Peter makes us feel better about ourselves. Because we know we fail and fumble and then we read about Peter and say, well, at least I didn't do that, right? But Peter here, we're, we're drawing close to the end of the Lord Jesus' uh, earthly life before he goes to the cross. And the Lord Jesus says to Peter in Luke 22, beginning at verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, I want you to watch this, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan's asked me to let him get you. By the way, as a child of God, you understand that even Satan's work towards you is still under the sovereign control of God. In other words, he has to allow it. We see that in the book of Job, if we had time to go study it there. But he says, Satan's asked that he might sift you as wheat. He goes on to say, but, oh, don't you love this? Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. He warned him. Watch you pray, lest you enter in temptation. Can you not watch with just one hour? Oh, Lord, I won't deny you. Yeah, you will, but I prayed for you. And after you're restored, strengthen the brethren. Time tells us we could go and study Job. We could look at Job's life and 
See how Job was really the target of Satan and Satan trying to point out that Job only served and loved God because God had blessed him and protected him. And Job goes through all of that. We could look at other examples, I'm sure. And we need to talk about the armor of God and all of that. And we'll look at that later on. But right now, I'm just trying to impress upon your heart and mind that this is serious business we're talking about. In fact, I'll put a verse on the screen, 1 Peter 5, 8. It's very clear. It says, be sober, be alert, be awake, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I don't know about you, but I've seen a lion in person. And if word was out there was a lion roaming around the parking lot today, I'd walk very soberly and very vigilantly. Honestly, I'd walk very quickly. Because I realize that's serious business. That's life or death. And I think that's what the Lord's trying to express to us here in the Scripture. Be sober, be vigilant. He wants to devour us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to harm us in those ways. He can't have us as a child of God. This is serious business. He's a deceitful one. Now, how is it that He goes about deceiving and devouring us. Max Anders provided a helpful, helpful list. And as I read his list, it lined up with much of what we see in our world today. But I'm going to put the full list on the screen for you, and I'll walk through it with you. Here's how the devil goes about deceiving and devouring. By taking that which is bad and making it look good. Taking that which is bad and making it look good. By taking that which is false... And making it look true. By taking that which is wrong and making it look right. By taking that which is ugly and making it to look beautiful. Taking that which is hurtful and making it to look helpful. And taking that which is painful and making it look pleasant. I want you to think about with that list on the screen there. I want you to think about all the godless ideologies floating around in our nation today. Who's behind this? Well, not flesh and blood. They're just tools. Behind them is the enemy. Behind them is someone else pulling the strings. Influencing, working. The attack on marriage. The attack on gender and identity. The attack on morality in so many areas. The enemy is behind it. Yes, he'll use politicians. Yes, he'll use celebrities. He'll use whoever. He'll use you and me if we'll let him. But behind it, it's not flesh and blood. There are tools in his hands. Behind it is the enemy, the adversary, the devil. And he makes things so seem so sensible and so loving. How many times do we hear that? Well, if you're truly loving... You would go along with that. If you really love people, you would allow that. You would promote that. You would accept that. It, it makes sense. It's beautiful. It's good. What, what harm could come from that? That's why we need to go along with the Lord Jesus and say it is written. See, the Bible is the final authority for faith and practice and life. 
We'll get more into that as we start studying through the pieces of the armor, the spiritual armor that God gives us. But we see it clearly in our passage today. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. And Andrews went on to say, in every confusing, conniving, deceptive way possible, Satan attempts to mislead us with his schemes. That's why you've got to fill your heart and life with the Word of God. So you know what it is that Jesus wants us to do. We cannot overcome. We cannot be victorious in our own strength. The Bible says, listen, the Bible doesn't say go out and fight the devil. The Bible says to resist the devil. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, step one, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We've talked about that. But look at the next verse. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced in your brotherhood in the world. We cannot do this in our own strength. That's why that very first Verse we read today is so important. Verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong, not in your power, not in your might, not in your wisdom, not in your ability. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. One more passage and we're done. I want you to think about Ephesians 4, same book, 26 and 27. I read it to you in the NLT. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger, watch this next part, gives a foothold to the devil. Now that verse is talking about anger. And if you will hold on to anger and not deal with anger and let it simmer, it can give a foothold to the devil. Now that's true about anger, but we could say it's also true about lust, worry, Envy or something else. And maybe you've allowed the enemy, the devil, to get a foothold in your life. The problem is that the devil, when he gets a foothold, he holds on. And he'll take more and more. And whatever you'll give him, whatever you'll allow him, he'll just continue on. The old saying what? You give him an inch, you take a mile. So what I want to do in closing today, and again, I told you we're just really just kind of scratching, just getting into this Ephesians 6 with the armor of God. So I think we all need to just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit examine our lives and just come before Him and just see is there any area in our life where we've allowed the devil to get a foothold. The Bible is very clear that we don't have to yield to Him. He, he didn't have to have any control in our life. But He'll take what we'll give Him. So here's what I want to do. We're going to baptize here in a few minutes. But here's what I want to do. I want to just pause in this service. And I want us to pray. Believers, you pray. And I want the, you to ask the Lord to just examine your heart and see is there any area, sin, where you're allowing the devil to get a foothold in your life. And today... Confess that and forsake it. Knowing the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right? Let's just pray together. Give you a moment there, silence, for you to pray to the Lord.